Well, we continue in our Sunday evening series of messages titled Evangelism Episodes. Evangelism Episodes. And these uh, messages have been focused on um, various aspects of sharing the gospel from... Guys, I think I got this on. I'm not sure. Help me out. Bring me up. Maybe, maybe I didn't. Oh, well... Hey, you, you're, you're, messing, you're, you're messing me up there because it's uh, my, my uh, monitor, video monitor is not on. I out-tricked myself. Um, these messages have focused on various aspects of sharing the gospel and mostly from the book of Acts. And this evening, uh, a message that I've titled Living Out the Great Commission. And it deals much uh, with, first, the theology of evangelism before we get into the practicality of evangelism. Y'all, as you know, it is fundamentally important that we understand, that we embrace, that we truly do know and believe biblical theology relative to evangelism. What that does is, if our theology is proper and correct and accurate relative to evangelism, our motive will be purified. God's power will be upon our witnessing because our theology says, unto him is all the glory. That the nations would rejoice in him. And if that is our motivation, that all glory be brought to him in the church, Ephesians 3, 20 or 21, then uh, he is going to be pleased to bless our evangelism. So we've been talking about that, and, and this evening then uh, are those two, um, two complementary aspects, uh, the work of God and the work of the believer in sharing the gospel. Guys, are you able to uh, bring up the video monitor? Can you do that? Is there some kind of gizmo you have to, to, to uh, turn on to make that happen? Let's look at Acts chapter 10, if you would. Acts chapter 10, uh, verses 10, uh, verses 34 through 38. Acts chapter 10, 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, now he's speaking to uh, Cornelius, the Gentile soldier. He opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he, uh, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John, that is John the Baptist, preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about doing good and healing all uh, that were oppressed of the devils and God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and, uh, in the land of Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people. And to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all them who heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that is the Jews, 
uh, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then asked they him to tarry certain days. Two primary points, if you're taking notes. First of all, we see the singular work of God. Having all kinds of difficulties here. I don't know what is going on. Can you just reboot it? Or is it, uh, or we're not going to be able to make that happen tonight? Okay. You follow along. The singular work of God in preparing the soil. God must prepare the soil. In fact, uh, Matthew chapter 13 records the parable of the sower, the soil, uh, and the seed. And there are two variable, two items in there uh, which, which never change. That is, the sower doesn't change and the seed doesn't change. The sower are believers, that is, those who share the gospel, and the seed is the gospel. Those two things remain the same. Uh, they never change no matter what is going on. It's the soil which makes uh, a difference of how and what, you, uh, what soil, what type of soil, whether it's good soil or whether it is uh, rocky soil or, or hard ground and the like, of whether or not the seed is going to um, actually take root, if you will, and produce, ultimately produce a fruit. So the singular work of God is preparing the soil. And what is the soil? Well, it's the heart Uh, the soul, if you will, of that lost person. I cannot touch that. I cannot reach down. Talking uh, in uh, my Sunday school class this morning about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That is, God's Word can reach the immaterial part of man all the way down to the depth of his being. Uh, Think about when you were saved uh, and the Word of God was shared with you. That person who was sharing with you cannot reach in and rearrange things, cannot change your heart, cannot uh, wake you up spiritually. And in fact, you yourself could not do that for yourself. And there are those who would say, well, uh, it's it's man's free choice and everybody has free will. Well, remember, the only people who truly had free will were Adam and Eve because they were the only ones in human history, save Jesus, of course, who had not been at one point had not been tainted and soiled by sin. And so the only will uh, that a person has now, that a lost person has now, is corrupted. Uh, It is tainted. It is flavored throughout by sin. And so a a dead, spiritually dead person cannot just say, I'm going to wake myself up. Oh, how do you do that? How do you wake yourself up spiritually? No, in fact, you can't. God must do that. So point A, the singular work of God in preparing the soil. A1. God sovereignly picks and chooses the soil. He sovereignly picks and chooses the soil. We who hold to the doctrines of grace, just speaking about that with uh, Brother Mark Saylor earlier tonight, we don't struggle with the decrees of God. The decrees of God being election, divine calling, uh, divine sovereignty, human responsibility. We don't struggle with that. We're convinced the Word of God clearly teaches that. And it's not boasting. It's just simply saying uh, that there are, there are so many passages that are so crystal clear about this 
that I don't know how one uh, really uh, uh, argues uh, it, uh, with it. I, I guess I can understand why some are chafing by it, why it's irritating for some, because it basically says salvation is all of God. If anyone is going to be saved, if anyone is even going to recognize his or her lostness, um, it's God who must bring that understanding to pass. It is such a marvelous and a magnificent doctrine that at the end of 11 chapters preaching on divine election and justification by faith, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 11.33, he said, Oh, the depth of... Boy, we are just not doing well tonight. Okay. I push the next button and... I don't know. We'll get it. Mark, did you feel a little bit odd uh, this morning leading the men's uh, choir and you wanted to, to, uh, to have a fermata uh, with those, uh, uh, those points and we didn't? <laughs> Am I using the right word, fermata? A lengthening of a, of a note? That'll work. Okay, uh, I, didn't, I guess I didn't include that. But, but Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable His judgments and his ways past finding out. We can't really understand it. I don't know how the Spirit moves convicting men of sin, but I know he does. Amen? And, uh, and my calling is to faithfully broadcast the seed. And by the way, think about agriculture. Uh, think about uh, the farmer. There are times that the farmer sows all kinds, broadcasts all kinds of seed, and there isn't any harvest whatsoever. There isn't any fruit from it for any number of reasons. There could have been a drought that came upon the land. Could have been an insect infestation. Maybe a fire just before harvest time. Uh, Any number of things could cause that. And in fact, even under the best conditions, when a farmer broadcasts the seed, uh, there's seed that's eaten up by, by birds, and there's seed that goes by the wayside. In other words, it's never, ever, even a, remotely approaching 100% yield. Do you, you understand that? But yet the farmer, year in, year out, does the very same work of broadcasting the seed, and it's the very same seed. The soil is what makes the difference. And so the Lord sovereignly picks, chooses the soil. Now, Uh, Acts uh, 13 and verse 28 or 48. I want you to look at the order of this and in in the Greek New Testament it is like this. It's those who were chosen in the course of time believed. It's not you believed and then God went ahead and got on board and chose you. No, it is a sovereign choice of the soil that he's going to prepare. You say, well, that doesn't sound fair. No, it's not fair. If you mean that God doles out the same blessings to everyone in the same quality uh, and in the same quantity. No, that's, that's not the case. Uh, I, I will never in this lifetime be able to tickle the keys like Deanna and Scott can't. That's not fair. No, it's not fair. I don't have that ability, and most of you don't either. And so God does not ever say that he's fair. He says that he is just in everything which he does. The fact of the matter is, there isn't anyone who deserves mercy, right? 
No one deserves mercy. No one deserves anything except for, as Lamentations 3 says, judgment. If it were not for the mercy of God, we would all be condemned. But because we're not condemned uh, as believers, um, in fact, uh, it's, it's a glorious thing. It is the mercy of God. Jesus spoke to this in John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me, all that the Father has given me. So you could say, everyone that, that he has chosen to prepare the soil, every one of those, will in fact come to me. There's irresistible grace. There is the certainty of salvation. There is a definite atonement, definite um, redemption, because all that were chosen out in eternity past will come, and all of those who do come, he is not going to lose them at all. Uh, there is the preservation of the saints. So God chose you, why? According to the good pleasure of his will. He chose you in, in eternity past according to the good pleasure of his will. So, uh, in Ephesians uh, 1.4 tells us that it was before the foundation of the world according to the good pleasure of his will. God sovereignly chooses the soil. Secondly, we see God spiritually plows or cultivates the soil. You see, it's one thing for the soil to be there, but it's another thing for it to be ready to receive the seed. And of course, Matthew 13 speaks to that. The soil has to be prepared. The fallow ground has to be broken up. And of course, for a lost person, that person's heart is infinitely hard. He's, he's dead in trespasses and sins. And so folks, you say, why, you say preacher, why belabor this? Because it will purify your motive in evangelism and it will cause you to forget about trying to produce. All the pressure is off. If the Lord is the one who has to make the change in that heart, what is my calling? To be faithful. Not to be effective, uh, not to be um, uh, putting pressure on myself uh, that uh, I have to produce somehow. I can't produce, I can't change a life, I can't turn the soil over in that person's heart. But God can. Now, how does he do it? Well, Hosea uh, speaks to that in Hosea 10, 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Now, this is talking to the people uh, of Israel, not the individual. Break up your fallow ground. How do you break up fallow ground? How is fallow ground broken up? How does God break up the hard ground uh, in the heart of a lost person? He does it for, through the Word of God. He does it by presenting the truth of the Word of God regarding the law that you don't measure up. Uh, uh, didn't you appreciate uh, the, uh, the song that the children, it was called uh, the, the Big Ten, the Top Ten, what was it called? The Perfect Ten. This morning, uh, the children sang the Ten Commandments, and uh, Brother Scott Smith helped uh, with some of, the, uh, some of the wording on that, because what they sang was, all the Ten Commandments are pure and holy and righteous, and I can't keep them, but there's one who did, the Lord Jesus. Good theology. And so that fallow ground is being broken up. The plow is being put to that hard heart through teaching uh, that person the Word of God, especially uh, relative to uh, salvation uh, and, and especially relative to 
the gospel. Now I want you to see this in the life of Cornelius in chapter 10. Look, and this is not just theory, this is not just theology, it's practicality. Look in chapter 10, look at verse 22. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous man, and one that fears God and of good report among all the nations of Jews. In other words, this is, this is somebody that, that was a, a decent, respectable person. Um, he was warned from God by an, a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words from thee. Verse 25, and Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Peter said, don't do that. I'm a man. In verse 26, look at verse 30. Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me uh, in bright clothing. And then at the end of verse 33, um, now therefore we are all uh, uh, here present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God. He basically is saying to Peter, the Lord's been stirring in my heart. Uh, he's done some miraculous things. He is breaking up the hard, fallow ground in my soul. And it was taking place with the Word of God. So folks, uh, if, uh, if you have a, a hard-hearted neighbor, a relative, a um, co-worker, give the Word. Share the truth of Scripture. Now, you're not going to cram it down somebody's throat. I can remember when, uh, when I was in the Navy 46 years ago, right at this time. And for four or five months, my uh, bunk, uh, the guy who lived in the, in the bunkhouse with me, um, was sharing the Lord with me. And I mean, I, I can't even tell you, I, it, it was so vile and blasphemous and uh, uh, irreverent of how I would respond to him every time he would share. And he didn't try to shove it down my throat. Uh, he, uh, he wasn't going to cast pearls before the swine. But as he had opportunity, uh, he would talk about the things of God and forgiveness and heaven and hell and eternal life and, and all the rest. Until on May 24th in the evening, going into the morning of May 25th, 1977, I said, okay, I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear the full story of why you believe uh, how you believe. In other words, I, he, was, he was prepared to give an answer to anyone who asked him, what is the hope that's in you? And at about 2 a.m. on May 25th, I called upon the Lord Jesus, who had already been stirring in my soul, un, unbeknownst to me. He had already been doing that, sovereignly breaking up the fallow ground through this guy, giving a word of witness um, on a regular basis. <clears throat> it's what Scripture says that must take place, that no one can come to him unless he is convicted of sin, of righteousness, and judgment, and the Spirit of God draws him. The Father sends the Spirit to draw him, John 6 and verse 44 says. In fact, it compares, the Word of God compares this Two, uh, the wind that's blowing, John 3, 8. The wind blows seemingly capriciously. Just wherever it wants to blow, it blows. And you can hear the sound. You don't know where it's going. You don't know where it's coming from and the like. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Spirit of God just sovereignly blows on the heart of the lost people to, person, to break up that hard soil so that it can be ready to receive the gospel seed right? Amen? Are we together so far? So, God does a sovereign work, and God's sovereign work deals with the soil. That is, the dead spirit of that lost person. The Lord must wake 
that up. Long my, uh, uh, I was fast bound by nature's night, Charles Wesley said. That is, uh, I was lost, I was dead, I couldn't wake myself up, no one else could, but thine eye diffused a quickening, a living ray. I woke, <laughs> the dungeons flamed with light. All of a sudden I could see my condition. My chains fell off, I rose, went forth, and followed the Lord. God's sovereign work. And then secondly, the collective work of the church. We have a role. God's role is, deals with the soil. Our role deals with the seed, planting the gospel seed. And that's the part that never changes. Um, you're the same uh, person, same identity throughout life. Uh, of course, you grow and you, you mature and all. The gospel seed it's the same seed. You, you learn to uh, understand it more um, uh, in your own life as well as in sharing it. And so the Word of God is clear that um, even though He elects, He chooses people from eternity past, it doesn't mean that I sit on the sidelines and twiddle my thumb. Not at all. Sovereign election does not nullify human responsibility. The human responsibility of the person hearing the gospel and the responsibility of the one sharing the gospel. I have a role in this. You have a role. And he has ordained it that way. It's not that I'm inserting myself in that. He has ordained that we should be used of him to be fruitful. And so we share, we broadcast the seed. That is our role. In fact, 1 Peter 1, the very same author, 1 Peter 1, verses 23 and 25, says that a person is born, again, born from above, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. And this is the Word which, by the gospel, is preached unto you. And so we have a very real responsibility, uh, not that we are going to change a heart, but we are going to deposit the seed in the soil which God has sovereignly um, made ready to receive that. And so what, what, how do we do it? Well, the sown seed, that is us sharing the Lord, takes root through prayerfully preaching the content of the gospel. That is, a, a, it's not just that a person believes any old thing. It's the actual content of the gospel. Notice he reviewed what they already knew in verse 37. Look in verse 37. <clears throat> that word, I say, that is the word of God which we shared, you know, which was published throughout all Judea, began at Galilee after the uh, baptism which John had preached. And then verse 37 go, or 38 goes on to uh, describe it. He just gives us the Reader's Digest version of what happened. But basically he was saying the gospel was shared. The person and work of Christ, the life and ministry of Christ was shared with those folks who were listening, the content of the gospel. And the gospel is to be shared prayerfully. Folks, it's not an issue of how much I know, how effect. In fact, I know a lot more about the gospel and the things of God and the word of God now than I did 40 years ago. And yet I was, had quantity-wise, more gospel opportunities 
when I was a young adult than I do now. Now, to some degree, it's because I don't spend 40 or 50 hours out in the work world like you all do. do. In fact, that's probably uh, the primary uh, uh, issue. So it's not an issue of how much you know. It's an issue of uh, am I yielded to the Lord? And I tell you, uh, Kathy and I, uh, it, it's, uh, it's almost, not, uh, not to uh, be self-serving here, but it really is becoming more and more of our lifestyle. In fact, has become that when we are on an airplane, uh, we're praying ahead of time. <laughs> and she always, uh, always tries to get the window. I don't ever want the window. She always wants the window. I always want the aisle. And so that poor fellow sitting in between us <laughs> is going to hear something from one of us, at least that's the prayer. Now, we're not going to try to make something happen, uh, but that's the, the heart's desire. And we're, we're at a restaurant. It, it's almost always uh, we will say to the one who's taking our order, when our, our food get, even before our food gets here, we're going to pray. We're going to thank the Lord for his goodness in our lives, in uh, all of his provision in so many ways. I mean, we will actually say to the person what we're going to do. And since you're here taking care of us, is there anything that's on your heart, anything going on in your life about which we could pray? 99% of the time, the walls come down, the person opens up, melts right before us. Of course, that's pretty easy to do that when, you're, when Kathy's with me. Even when I'm by myself, maybe they don't melt quite as easily. <laughs> you can appreciate that, amen? But it's, it's, it's developing the mindset that we're here for a reason. And a great part of that reason is to bring glory to him through the broadcasting of the seed. Trusting him for the soil. That's why I say we're prayerfully um, preaching the content of the gospel. It's wholly a work of God, and he wants to use us in that cooperative uh, effort. Secondly, relative to the work of the church, the sown seed produces fruit through prayerfully preaching a commitment to the gospel. Well, uh, here's the gospel message. Uh, Jesus came, uh, 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 the God-man, born of the virgin, lived a perfect life, uh, died on the, uh, vicariously uh, on the cross, uh, uh, was buried for three days, and rose again, ascended into heaven. Hope I see you sometime. <laughs> no, it's actually calling folks to repent and believe. And that's what happened in this text. Look at verse 42, if you will. Um, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be the judge. Uh, and to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him shall be forgiven. And so in, in a very real sense, uh, Peter said, you need to respond. You need to believe, receive the gospel message by faith from the heart. And you will be a child of God. You'll be forgiven. And so the lost, nothing new here, are commanded to repent and to believe. And that, that really connects the dots. That, uh, uh, that um, completes the transaction. Yes, God did his work. Yes, he's preparing the soil uh, of the heart. Yes, you've deposited the uh, incorruptible seed into that soil. And now... That person must believe. It's not just, I mean, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. For he who comes to God 
must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, who genuinely call upon him. And so we call that person to, in fact, by faith, receive. And then notice the fruitfulness of salvation. It was immediately evident through and by the Holy Spirit empowering them with signs and wonders. Verses 44 to 47, Peter spoke. They believed, evidently, because of what happened. Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And they, uh, uh, the Jews, were astonished that the Gentiles also had the Holy Spirit poured out on them, for they heard them speak with languages, and that's the word, magnifying God. Um, Our charismatic friends would have us believe that this is the norm uh, for the church, the norm for the believers. I will remind us that there were three uh, critical times in the book of Acts, strategic times, that the Spirit of God was poured out on a group of believers and his baptizing them spiritually was manifested. Uh, uh, there was evidence with speaking in languages that they did not know. Let me, uh, let me offer those times. It first happened when the Jews received Christ in Acts chapter 2. So you have a, a demographic. You have a, uh, uh, an ethnicity, a whole ethnicity. 3,000 at that time, and then thousands more uh, had, uh, had that, um, that gift uh, who was uh, uh, given so that they could share the gospel. And then in Acts chapter 8, you see the Samaritans. Now, why, why wasn't it good enough uh, in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter, or, the book of Acts is a transitional book. And so the Jews and the Samaritans already had major problems with one another. The Jews and the Gentiles had major problems with one another. And so God, in his wisdom, said, we're going to show a manifestation of, uh, of, of the Spirit baptizing folks in Acts chapter 2 with the Jews. We're going to show the very same thing uh, in Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans, and then in Acts chapter 10 with the Gentiles. So that there's no spiritual superiority among uh, any of them. And the uh, issue of <clears throat> signs and wonders and all, of course, lesson, 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 lesson throughout the book of Acts, uh, spoken about in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 because it was such chaos there. He wasn't affirming them. He was scolding the fool out of them. And it's simply uh, not uh, mentioned. Uh, I can't even remember elsewhere, anywhere else in Scripture. So, um, it was given so that they would not try to one-up one another. Kind of like what Mark was saying about uh, siblings um, sometimes. Um, we'll do that with one another. So Peter lived out the Great Commission. He, he had proper theology of God preparing the soil of the human heart, and he had proper practicality. Uh, that is, he had orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Orthodoxy, what you believe, orthopraxy, how you behave, and he shared the Lord. Now, I ask you, and I ask myself, I've given you a couple of illustrations. Kathy and I also, uh, uh, around our neighborhood, uh, we, we go around our neighborhood, yes, for physical fitness, but we could do all kinds of things for physical fitness. We could get a stationary bike, put it in the, in the basement. That'd be a fine way to do that, have good cardiovascular health, and that's a good thing. Be a wise steward of your physical body. But we, so often, uh, we do this, and I mean all the time we do this. 
We're around in our neighborhood. We've not seen any fruit yet. That's God's issue. Um, but engaging neighbors, going out, looking for neighbors to engage for the purpose of saying, Jesus saves, do you have the hope of eternal life? And in fact, we have shared uh, the gospel uh, with uh, some uh, in our neighborhood. And we've come across other believers uh, as well while we've been doing that. So I encourage you and exhort you and myself because I can get lazy. I can get, become indifferent. I can be distracted. Maybe just like you can be. But um, pick out a sinner <laughs> in your, within your sphere of influence. Your, your doctor, uh, your barber, your beautician, your pharmacist, your neighbor, your co-worker. Someone, uh, and pick out someone who is, who is really living out his or her depravity. Uh, and um, making a show of, of, of depravity. And begin praying, God, would you uh, bring something into this person's life to wake him up, to arrest her attention, as was the case with Cornelius. And you be ready and quick to share. Use opportunities such as Mother's Day, as Father's Day, as Independence Day, as what? Use regular opportunities uh, to send a gospel tract, to uh, uh, send a text message with a Bible verse, or just make it an intentional focus in your life. You will be you will be glad that you did. You, uh, Kathy and I, we uh, we really we, we it's a hoot. It, it's fun. Uh, I, I say fun, uh, n- not in a, a frivolous way, but enjoyable is a better word for it. To be able uh, to be in a situation where you're really. Seeing God help uh, uh, deliver new life. Uh, it, it hardly gets any better than that in this earthly pilgrimage. And so give yourself to living out the Great Commission. Have a proper theology. And then jump in there. Broadcast the seed of the Word of God. Lord, I'm so thankful for this, your Word. And, and it, it, was just, it was just while the, the early believers were just living out their lives, sharing you with uh, a lost and dying world. And in this case, the gospel going to the Gentile community. And it's so interesting how you would use as an, as an illustration uh, a Gentile a soldier um, and yet was respected by the Jewish community and not hated like so many, in fact, all of them were. And you drew to yourself. And then how many others came to faith at that very moment. And then, of course, the Gentile um, whole world uh, came to hear the gospel all the way to Rome. And so, and Lord, two millennia later, we heard the gospel in our land, in our language. How good you are to us. May we walk in a spirit of gratefulness and worship of you, thankfulness to you for what you've done in our lives and saving us and now using us in the, uh, in the work of sharing the gospel with this world. Uh, use this message in our lives, Lord Jesus, in your glorious name we do pray.